You're listening to the Dead End Street Podcast. My name's Terry Marsh. I'm John Mandrake. Thank you so much for joining us on our first episode, kind of our maiden voyage. Emphasis on the maiden. (laughs) The maidens. The maidens maidens. take their voyage today. (laughs) Cindy and fucking Donna, episode one. Yes, for our first episode, we've decided to tackle 1970s Cindy and Donna, released by Crown International Pictures. Now, there's a particular reason why I wanted to talk about this one, this specific film, because, like, you know, I'll go into I'll go into more detail about it later. But I have a bit of a personal history yeah, with the movie. Yeah, personal. You have a personal beef with this fucking <laughs> film, and now I do too after f- sitting through this shit. Yeah, I've because I saw this movie many Spoiler years ago. Alert, um, I not that I enjoyed it. <laughs> no, this this is a terrible. Like, low key, this is one of the worst movies that both of us both of us have ever seen. In I've our seen way worse. Like I don't know. Like I I really hate this movie, but I feel like as far as like worst I've ever seen. Like, there are big Hollywood productions I hate way worse than this. Like, I can like, kind of forgive some of it. But it's also really bad, and I'm going to rail against it, and I hate it <laughs> a whole lot. I guess, like, because of, you know, my history and beef yeah. with the movie. Like, <laughs> I, I just hate it that much more. And, like, I'll get into more, like, why I feel... <laughs> I'll get into why I feel this way about it, like, later on. Why this was chosen. But <laughs> Why this is the chosen one. <laughs> this is the chosen one. This is, like... This is the movie that got me into exploitation and trash cinema. When I should have put you in the fucking cemetery. Seminary. Well, Se- cemetery too, yeah. Seminary and cemetery. Why not just combine the two? Yeah. <laughs> One of the reasons I've been so fascinated by this film is like just how obscure it is. Yeah, it Could- really is. I've never heard of like anyone really bring it up. I mean, for good reason. There's nothing that stands out against it. I have so much to really say about it, but like... At the end of the day, this is worth forgetting, and we'll get more like into that when we go over the plot and just like you know dissect this bitch. I kind of got the same feeling that I got from like Manos, like you know when you watch Manos, The Hands of Fate, and you're just like, okay, none of these people ever went on to do anything ever again, and it's true because like none right. of them did. Yeah, these they are just, just fell off the face of the fucking earth. These are just random losers who got together and made this terrible movie, and no one ever heard from them again. Cindy and Donna has that same feeling. So it compelled me to, like, you know, look up a little bit about just who worked on it. Like, did the cast ever do anything? Did the crew ever do anything? And I found some, I found out some surprising, some, uh, some surprising factoids. <laughs> the first thing that stuck out to me is that, uh, you know, the film was directed by a guy named Robert Anderson. Mm-hmm. And the Good first, the first thing that uh, stuck out is that apparently he was born in 1917. <laughs> Meaning, oh Christ! Just think of this old, thinking of this movie and like just some like really, really old dude. Like you knew there was an old, gross old dude behind it. Not that old though. Exactly. So this guy would have been in his early fifties making this. Yeah. Making right. this like very, this very skeevy film. Yeah, and it is skeevy <clears throat> is the word. It this movie is like the reason the word skeevy was invented. I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I noticed a couple other Andersons in the credits. Like, the co-producer is named Terry Anderson, and it was, it was edited by a Bill Anderson. Now, I looked up Bill Anderson, and Bill Anderson, shockingly enough, like, he went on to have, like, a really good editing career. Bill Anderson went on to edit a couple, like, really big movies, like Dead Poet Society and The Truman Show. What? I mean, they, like, those are very successful, like, very highly regarded films. Do you think anyone comes up to him and is like, you know, ah, the, and like, you know, um, Bill Anderson, uh, Cindy and Donna's Bill Anderson? <laughs> I mean, it would be way too much of a coincidence, but like, part of me is just like, is that the same Bill Anderson? No, no, I mean, it's such, such a common name. I, <laughs> yeah. I doubt, like, those three probably aren't even related. It would be funny if like the three Anderson boys got together. Yeah, I was. do Cindy and Donna. Because <laughs> like, I was tempted to think that because I really wanted to believe that this was like, you know like a father and like like this father robert anderson got his two sons together to make to make this to make the this boys dirty, night out to make this dirty creepy movie yeah it's like all right boys <laughs> but i looked at the imdb page for terry anderson and imdb must have like fucked this up too because it says that terry anderson was born in 1959 now, this movie came out in 1970, which means that he would have been 10 years old. <laughs> there should not have been he... any children anywhere close to this fucking set. <laughs> Notice that there's no children in the actual movie for good reason. Yeah, there's nobody, like, under the age of, like... It's no... not, the, like, the most, um, uh, you know, gratuitous movie ever, but it certainly just has, like, a slimy feel. It's a very... Sl it's it's just dripping with hand lotion. It's... Like, that's... <laughs> there's a... There's, I feel like... It's dripping, all right. There's just a layer of hand lotion over the film stock itself, is what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, IMDb had to have fucked it up, because because the same Terry Anderson, who was apparently born in 1959, also was a production supervisor on a TV documentary called Hollywood The Selznick Years, which aired in 1969, when he would have been 10. Hmm, yeah. <laughs> Obviously the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but uh, going back to Robert Anderson, like he only ever did two other movies. The year after Cindy and Donna was The Young Graduates, which he also, which he wrote. That sounds familiar. Yeah, The Young Graduates sounds like it would be on one of the, you know, Mill Creek Drive-In Cult Classics DVD sets that we Where have. Where we found this. <laughs> yeah, but like, surprisingly, it is not. He also directed The Hoax in 1972. He directed and produced both The Young Graduates and The Hoax, but his only ever writing credit was for an original story credit on The Young Graduates. So that was the only thing he ever uh, he ever wrote. And then there's the, the cinematographer, J. Barry Heron. He was also a cinematographer on The Young Graduates, and he also went on to do a couple of noteworthy movies. He's credited on Chatterbox as an aerial photographer. Oh. Yeah, that sounds right. You, know, and, you move on to bigger and better things from this, and it's Chatterbox. I feel like that's the next step for anyone who's worked on Cindy and Donna. For those who don't know, do you want to explain what Chatterbox is in just a couple sentences? <laughs> for, for those of you who have not heard of Chatterbox, Chatterbox is a film about a singing vagina. That's about it, yeah. Yeah, that's, really <laughs> that's about it. But beyond All that... All you need to know. It gets, and it gets worse. It gets way worse. But beyond that, J. Barry Heron, he went on to be an underwater photographer for movies like Big Trouble in Little China and Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Nice. I was hoping <laughs> you were going to say Jason Takes Manhattan because there's a couple underwater scenes. Yeah. But like... The, I was I, also hoping you were going to... Like, he was the, the um, second unit director who did the fight scene in uh, Fluffy <laughs> Zombie with a shark. Oh my god. Nah. One can only hope. Jason Lives is the one where Tommy Jarvis and yeah he gets uh, him from the cemetery. Yeah, so there, there he, he like he gets struck. That one. He gets struck by lightning, 
and uh, he comes back Frankenstein style, and then it's like just you know. No, you know what the underwater part was. There was a part where, like, it was like a reference to Jaws. Like, there was a girl swimming nude in the in the lake. Yeah, and like, it's like coming up on her. That's probably what it was. Okay, yeah, Uh, that that sounds like a throwaway. Exactly. Because Jason Lives is widely regarded as the first one that like. Like gets like more like a little bit more comedic. Yeah, it's more jokey. Yeah, it never gets like uh, nightmare levels, but like you know, whatever. We're not talking about slashers. We're talking <laughs> about. Uh, but yeah, that sounds this. like that sounds like a dumb joke that would be in Jason Lives. Mm. But yeah, that's about it for the crew. The the cast members are pretty much just what you'd expect. Most of them were just in like sexploitation movies. Mm. Well, they can't they can't really act, so <laughs> I don't. They, there wasn't much prospect for them besides just you know the most exploitative things out there cindy and donna themselves i honestly didn't think were terrible actresses really i mean, I mean they had certain lines and deliveries i mean to that be I fair really a lot of it was like you know adr <laughs> like a lot of it's like done afterwards so it comes off as awkward but everyone is just like so wooden <laughs> um i guess donna's not too bad but like she doesn't really emote or have like any feelings for most of the movie I don't know. I guess we'll like get into that. yeah, we'll we'll get into that. But Sue Allen, who played Cindy's mother, <laughs> poss- okay, she's possibly the best person in the yes, movie. Yes, she she's, should. She deserves her own. There needs to be a spinoff with her. She is the standout. Yeah, she's the standout performance of the film. She has a couple of like weird acting credits on her IMDb. Apparently, she was an uncredited chorus girl in Singing in the Rain. Huh. She was in 1969's Dracula, The Dirty Old Man, which we have on DVD. We've had that one for a while now, but we've never gotten around to watching it. And a a lot of the other things she was in, I don't remember the names of them, but what I took note of is that her role in every single one of them was singer. Uh, So she's like something small. Yeah. Small parts, singing. I guess she's a singer in real life. uh, Yeah, I suppose. This was her chance to shine in like a major role, and boy, does she fucking shine. She She really does. She's amazing. Yeah. She lent her singing voice to a Don Bluth short called Banjo the Woodpile Cat, which aired on TV in 1979. Hmm. But wait, is all of that stuff that I just mentioned true? Was she in any of that stuff? Because I'm going to bring Sue Allen up again at the end of the episode because uh, some more interesting stuff on her later. Okay. And then there's Alice Friedland, who played the stripper with whom the dad has an affair. (laughs) Yeah. She had a fairly successful career in sleaze cinema, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming that because she bears an uncanny resemblance to Christina Lindbergh, or at least I thought she did. If you Most of the girls in this movie just kind of look the same. They, they were going for a type. <laughs> yeah. If you don't remember who Christina Lindbergh is, she was a one-eye in Thriller, A Cruel Picture. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I remember... I, That's I, a hell of a movie. Yeah. I saw Thriller... If you th- want to just feel real bad, watch that movie. <laughs> or watch this movie. If you want to feel good, don't come looking to us for recommendations on film. That's what we're trying to say. (laughs) But yeah, she was mostly in sleazy, like, low-grade sexploitation stuff, but she also had a small role in The Killing of a Chinese Bookie, which is a John Cassavetes film. I thought you were just saying she killed a Chinese bookie. (laughs) Her career ended when she went off on some Chinese bookie. (laughs) She was involved in The Killing of a... (laughs) Yeah, I could have worded that a little better. She bet it all in a Mets game. Uh... You know, got mad when it when she lost and uh, took it out on this uh, poor immigrant man. Okay, this one I feel like is gonna be a shock to you. Tom Benko, who played Donna's boyfriend Greg, he credited himself in this movie as Tom Coben, mm-hmm. which is just an anagram of Benko. 
And he also went on to be a very successful editor. Hmm. He edited movies like Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains, and he also did TV shows such as Star Trek The Next Generation, (laughs) Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. Oh, man. In addition to that, he wrote two episodes of Deep Space Nine and directed two episodes of The Next Generation. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) So to sum it all up, like, Cindy and Donna was just a, a very fertile breeding ground for some of Hollywood's most talented future editors. And bacteria. Which is strange, considering that whenever I think of this movie, I think of takes that go on for way too long. Yeah. And we'll get more into that. So yeah, we might as well just like jump into the plot of this goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. Starting with the theme song. Yeah, well, right the, the, the first thing in my notes is just a bullet point that says this fucking theme. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Yeah, it's just Cindy and her boyfriend Bobby walking down the beach while this awful music yeah, plays. I'll definitely this very sunshiny that. '70s tune um, about Cindy. It is very much her. It's the. It's very much her theme. Some some of the lyrics are kind of like. There's one about um, put your toys away. It's like be a woman. Like you know, it's Don't, time to experience no. the world and love. Don't be afraid of a lover, Cindy. Yeah, just really creepy. Really I mean, like all that stuff. stuff about a lover. Like you know, and you have put your toys away. Who <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. It uh, sheds a kind of a different light on it. Now, this is something that really confused me. You told me that, like, Cindy's supposed to be 15 in this movie? Yes, I'm pretty sure she's supposed to be that young. Okay. Uh, because Donna's supposed to be old. Donna's the older sister, and I know that both of them are still in high school. Yeah, because she gets dropped off at the same school as Cindy later in the movie, and she's older. I thought, like, maybe she's older, but they're just, like, kind of the same age. Just matured at vastly different rates. <laughs> but the, the opening is very awkward. Um, it's mostly just on the beach. The the it goes, it's, it's so poorly lit, like because the, <laughs> they're using natural lighting with like the sunset, and like they're just like yeah. not even silhouettes. It's just like kind of faded. It just looks bad. It really does. It goes from the beach to like you know a sidewalk where they're wearing completely different outfits. Oh, yeah, they're wearing. I love the matching yellow outfits. Um, I also love when the boyfriend gives. Uh, Cindy a kiss and it's just straight up the Hannibal Lecter kiss. It's the Hannibal Lecter kiss and it has this just devouring her just like and it's a really fast zoom in. Yeah. Like the you, very awkward it, zoom, like shaky too. Exactly. Like it Like depends. someone's like <laughs> some weirdos filming these two. They're walking down the sidewalk and like the camera's like following them, like panning with them, and then they stop and then as they start kissing, like there's just a really fast, jarring zoom in on the Hannibal Lecter kiss. And then it just um and then sort it, of transitions to her walking into her home present day, uh the school year, because like summer's over. Summer's over, Bobby's gone and she's just walking. Was, home she, was she somewhere did she go somewhere and that's where she knew Bobby? Did, was Bobby just in town for the summer? They never explained how that works. Yeah, we get a lot of dedicated uh, monologues to her relationship <laughs> with Bobby, but we don't get like the de- we don't get the logistics, and that disappoints me. Yeah, I want to know more about these two. <laughs> I always just kind of assumed that you know, since obviously they live somewhere close to the beach, maybe Bobby was just there for the summer. Maybe like his family has a summer home there. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I always just assumed. And honestly, like the opening credit sequence. Like, the way that they show the passage of time, like, you know, the walking on the beach to walking on the sidewalk, there's something about it, like, it's kind of seamless, mm-hmm. but it's, like, showing, it's obviously showing, like, large passages of time, right. going from the summer back to the school year. Like, watching it again, for the sake of this podcast, I was kind of surprised. I was thinking to myself, you know, that that could actually sort of be called, like, you know, an artistic flourish, which is well probably the only one in this entire film. <laughs> We're not going to get any more. No. 
The movie finally begins. The song fades out. Thank the Lord. It's going to be back many (laughs) times. Many different variations as well. But what I do like about her coming home is the 70s interior decorating. The 70s. That house is pretty great. It's amazing. uh, It is groovy. Did you notice that, uh, like, the pirate ship painting? What's going on with that? That's the one that's, like, right behind the couch. Yeah, that one. What's up with... I didn't get, like, that good of a look at it, but it's I did It's so notice. weird. It's got, like, this shiny, like, the sea <laughs> and the sky are, like, shiny green. And, the, and, like, the ships seem to be, like, actually, like, wood. It seemed, like, wood pressed on it. I don't know. It's I an d- interesting painting. I didn't notice it. I didn't... Honestly, I didn't even realize it was supposed to be a ship until you said that just now. Because I did, <laughs> I did notice it, Maybe but I was like wrong. none of the colors that I saw suggested that it was supposed to be like a ship. It's a lot of weird colors. I'm, it was, I'm hoping there's like a story behind it. Like you know the story in Stuart Little, where like there's a painting in the family's home, and it turned out to be like an actual like very valuable lost painting that someone just like picked up in an antique shop to use for the, as a prop. There's a wow. lot of the stuff people don't know about Stuart Little. That's a crazy movie. Written by M. Night Shyamalan. The screenplay was written by M. Night Shyamalan. I haven't seen Stuart Little in so many years. I'm just Too gonna... many years. Great film. I'm Little gonna... Mouse Boy. I'm going I'm to I'm go ahead and take your word on that. After Cindy and Donna, I kind of want to, like, you know, uh, I need a palate cleanser. And exactly. And Stuart Little is a weird film to go back to. But you know what? I need any anything right now. I don't even remember if it's a good movie or not, to be honest. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to talk about the painting. You just wanted to talk about Stuart so Little. Do- <laughs> so Donna gets home. She rolls up with her boyfriend. Music blaring. Uh, Cindy looks out the window. And I just write down, panty shots fired. Because <laughs> yes. from this point on... Yeah, that was one of the first things I noticed. Is that Cindy is wearing, like, this orange go-go dress... It's, Which it's whenever short. yeah, whenever she sits down, it like it hikes up like just enough that it, know, it hikes straight up to her uh, belly button, and like so the mom when she comes in and remarks on that, she's actually not exaggerating. Yeah, exactly. So when Donna comes home, Cindy like she like kind of bends over the couch to like look out to like look out the uh, screen door, yeah. and you straight get, up flashes the camera. Yeah, you just get just full ass, <laughs> and then seconds later, when Donna's getting out of the car, yeah, right, again, exactly. It's <sighs> again you get you get full ass. Yeah, she low hands it out the out the car, and then um... so Donna comes home minutes after Cindy, and like. They're talking about, you know, Cindy's asking her, who is that boy? Like, you know, I saw where his hand was or something like that. How did she see? How the did... car was parked far away and like they were in the car. So how could she see where his hand was? <laughs> how did she see that? <laughs> and then like, you know, Donna, she's like, you know, the cool, wise older sister. She's just like, you're too young for that stuff. That's basically Donna's whole personality. One thing I noticed is like, we don't get much character from her yeah. at all, really. She's either she's either smoking weed, having sex, doing both at the same time, or telling Cindy she's too young. Just and like, that. she doesn't and like, have much dialogue with anyone. Yeah, and like too young for what? Because like, the, she said that in response to Cindy asking her, "Who was that boy?" It's like, "Oh, you're too young." It's like, what? She's too young to know that boys exist. I I, I guess. Oh, then the mom then the mom comes home, and this is great. Her delivery, her voice, it's fantastic. Her music, she gets her own theme music, Yeah, too. she has this cu- fucking country music theme. Anytime the focus is on her, this weird-ass country music starts playing. And just this blaring harmonica comes in. Oh, God, it's so weird. But it's so great when she's in, because she is just, like... She is the star of this. She comes in. She wants, to be, <laughs> she wants her presence to be known. She starts hollering. These family members enter the house like sitcom characters. Like, they come in... They come home, like, seconds apart. <laughs> yeah. So the mom comes home and she's immediately, she runs right to the liquor cabinet, first of all. Right. You know, good little 
establishment of her defining trait. And, you know, she's uh, talking about, this place looks like a pigsty. My God, this place looks like a pigsty. Don't you two ever clean up. It does not. <laughs> like You don't even really get that great of a look at, like, what the... Uh, I mean, from what we can like. see, it looks fine. There's bottles on the table, but, like, you know, that's where you put your bottle when, like, you know, you're drinking it. <laughs> it's just, like, typical, like, mom nagging dialogue. Like, they were just, like, writing for, like, like this this mom character. like, oh, you gals in your short skits. <laughs> not picking up after yourselves. Yeah, it's like, huh, what do... What... Oh, you girls and your boys. <laughs> yeah, what do, what do moms nag about? That's what the screenwriter Her dialogue thinking. just runs and runs and runs. She never really says much of anything. But it's all great because her delivery is fan-fucking-tastic. It is absolute gold. If you're going to watch this, like, honestly, someone should just make an edit of this movie where Because that's all, all you need scenes. to see. The rest of it's so bad that the, she is a breath of fresh air anytime she's on because the rest is just so plodding, so terrible, yeah. so sleazy. She's the only genuinely entertaining part of the movie. Yeah. And then Dad comes home, and he has his own theme music, too. It's like... Well, Dad doesn't come home. The way we're introduced to him is that he's driving his truck. He's on his way back from work. Oh, that's right. He's in his, like, windowless van, by the way. <laughs> he's in a windowless the van. Fucking, the fucking windows are painted over. This big white van. He's a contractor, we find out. Yeah, he works But given in... everything else we know about this guy, like, you know, yeah, otherwise he'd still be a windowless van owner. They really make these parents out to just be the worst. Like, you know, the mother's a nagging alcoholic and mm -hmm. the father's like a total perv. Because we first... first we first see him, like, you know, he comes at a stoplight in the van and he, like, looks over, like, this... Some woman in the, in, uh, the car next to him. And she's, like, rubbing her thighs. Because yeah, here's what I said. She, the woman seems to be wearing, like, just a shirt and pantyhose. I think it's supposed to just be, like, a short skirt, but it just looks like a shirt and pantyhose. That's, that's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah it really does. And the way she's, like, rubbing her thigh, like, looks so awkward and mm -hmm. forced. And, like, do people even do that? Do women do that when she they're was, parked, when they're stopped at Nothing any woman does in this movie is really um, natural. It's obviously all uh, some creepy dude telling them to be yeah. a certain way. <laughs> so It's like, ooh, we gotta get these ooh, broads in this film. Get these broads to do these broads things. Like, that's... <laughs> yeah. There wasn't much thought put into it. So then, like, you know, dad goes to the bar... And then there's like oh, a really bar. there's a really short scene of like him talking with like you know some of the other people there, and then it just like abruptly cuts to a scene where we get introduced to Alice, the stripper, mm -hmm. and guess what she's doing? She's just kind of uh, lightly throbbing. She's not <laughs> she's, really she's not doing much. Her lower body isn't really moving. Her her arms are kind of moving. She's kind of shaking. Uh, it's a very robotic. It really is. She's got no expression on her face. Did you notice that she was oiled, but only on her chest? Yeah. Like they, <laughs> yes. like they didn't have enough oil for her whole body. It's just <laughs> on her chest. And also, like the camera is like so focused on just like you know filming her body and like getting all these like, weird close-ups. You never get a good idea of like what she's dancing on. No, like, I does... guess. Well, first of all, look at this bar. They don't have <laughs> exotic dancers at this bar. They don't have dancers. This they is... don't have bands. This is a fucking dive bar. This is a shitty, dimly lit dive bar. It's the somehow... worst. <laughs> it's somehow they Obviously, got... she's just like standing on a stool. They yeah. probably couldn't even get a table for her, so that's why she's not really dancing. <laughs> I'd love to see the full shot. That's just her awkwardly on a stool around these people. I wish there existed behind-the-scenes photographs of the making of this movie, but I'm sure nobody working on this movie mm -hmm. wanted photo evidence no. that they were involved. She's also wearing, like, a tassel thong. Like, it's tassels. It's, mm -hmm. like, black. And, it, like, when I first saw it at the corner of my eye, it just looked like full bush because, like, it's black tassel. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's just, uh really bad song the dancing scene goes on for like several minutes like, we spend a long. lot of time with dad at the bar like at this point we've 
barely really besides the theme song we haven't spent much time with cindy or donna at all but we do get a good couple minutes of dad at this point exactly we get to like kind of spend some time with him which is <laughs> fun yeah because after we see alice dancing at the bar which as i've just said it goes on for like way too long the next scene is like you know the dad like driving up and like it's nighttime now the dad drives up to a phone booth and then calls Alice. Yeah, he calls her at the bar. He just left. Well, that's the thing that confused me. Like, was he at the same bar? Like, was this... It's definitely the same bar. It's got the same decorating. It's got, like, the same people there. It's, it's the same bar. Okay, like, I was... Because I was genuinely confused. It's gotta be. I was genuinely confused because I thought, would they really do something that dumb? Like, he calls her from a phone booth after leaving the bar? I don't know. I guess the idea that maybe he's just too much of a wimp to, like, approach her in person. <laughs> I guess... I don't know. Like, he, he's an awkward guy. Like, we find he, out a lot about this dad. He has, uh, he has trouble talking to girls. Like, we can all relate to that. Like, this... Ted's the everyman. The uh, the dad's name is Ted, by the way. Oh, right. It's Ted. I thought... I I, a couple I times I heard is like, Ed. No, nah, it's Ted. Okay. I, I don't know if I mentioned that already, but the dad's name is Ted, and we're probably just going to refer Did to him. Did we ever get the mom's name? Oh, God. I don't think so. Yeah. So after uh, Ted calls Alice, he calls her because he... He wants to... He wants to get it. He wants to get in there. <laughs> and there's just some like very awkward dialogue between the two. She doesn't care. He's he's like a nervous schoolboy. Anytime he approaches her, it's so fucking gross. I hate it. <laughs> it's only but like especially when he calls her. Like when when they actually have scenes together, it's unnatural. But whenever he yeah. calls her, it's like you know, oh, you want to come over and play? <laughs> it's so weird. After that. We see the mother, Cindy, and Donna, and it's nighttime now, and they're, they're still in the fucking living room they're, sitting there. They're sitting in the exact same spot. They the, haven't moved. The mom's passed out, isn't she? The camera hasn't moved either. <laughs> it's the ex- I, I like to think that the director just had them sit there for like four more hours after that until until it was nighttime. So no, the mom isn't passed out because because uh, I think she and Donna have some banter where like you know. Donna says something like, yeah, we're going to have a nice family dinner. Right, because they were, they were waiting on the dad to come home for dinner. Yeah. And the dad gets home late, and he's uh, like c- kind of drunk. But not even as, not nearly as drunk as the mom, Yeah, who's blitzed in every scene. And then like Cindy just like abruptly is just like, I can't take it anymore, and then goes back to her room. Where, yeah, we get um, a sultry music that uh, slowly dissolves back into the theme music, and she just takes her she changes into her like nightgown yeah so we just get this awful like we just very, get this very voyeuristic scene of her changing her clothes it's not titillating at all like, like none of this is it's all just creepy yeah that's just the kind of movie this is yeah uh oh so someone she takes also takes out her no the music doesn't like come in she actually like, takes out her radio and like there's something about like a student protest going on <laughs> and cindy she ain't got time for politics she turns on that uh, sexy music and starts stripping yeah but it's while it's while this is happening that the dad comes home and then she like runs out to greet him mm-hmm. and that's when you know we get that quote from the dad you need to be a little drunk to get through the day <laughs> yeah and then he the mom's <laughs> yelling at him the dad like, is like walking back to his room and donna is like in her room or the bathroom but she's in her underwear and she's like you know She's brushing her hair. And like the dad just eyes her up. Very creepy close-up. <laughs> He's like leering at her. Well, we haven't it's... established yet that like Cindy and Donna are stepsisters and that the, uh, that Cindy is Cindy the and dad's. Donna are stepsisters. Like the mother is uh, Donna's biological mother and Ted is Cindy's biological father. Yes. Which I find strange because the mother is a the red- mother. Yeah, the mother is a redhead like uh, yeah. is a redhead like Cindy. Cindy and the mother are both redheads. So... Yeah, and both uh, Donna and dad have that... Uh, crazy libido throughout the movie (laughs) 
Yeah, so it's easy to but assume. But we'll get to that. Yeah, it's easy to assume that they're it's that it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. But nah. Yeah, so we have this like weird Drake. We have this very terrible seventies Drake and Josh situation going. On. <laughs> have you ever considered the Cindy Donna is just female Drake and Josh gone wrong? Now I want that to be the remake. Karen, Karen is the Megan. Uh, so then Ted goes back to his room where he changes his clothes, and then the mother comes back there and starts berating him. Well, her music his, comes back too. Her music comes back, and she starts like going on and on about the dad's little whores. Oh, those, she has such great lines here. I know about you and your little whores. You think I don't know about you and your little whores? She sounds like a fucking Disney villain. She's so good. Oh my god. I love it. She just goes on and on, like, just gibberish, like, you know, oh, you have all those little whores, I know what you are up to. <laughs> the dad doesn't really, is just, like, kind of brushing her off. He doesn't yeah. really care. He's just very annoyed. Yeah, it's a shame that we go, that we have to go from the mother, who is lovely, yes. back to Cindy, who is in her room. We're getting a sad <laughs> reprise of her theme again. She strips again. It's yeah, creepy. and then she starts, uh, how should I say, feeling herself. Yeah, just a little bit. We'll, we'll get well, more. We'll get some more of that later, sadly. Yeah, she, like, touches herself for, like, a few seconds, and then she goes into Donna's room. Who's, of course, half-naked. And Donna's got a much bigger room than her. Donna has the best room in the house somehow. Yeah, better than the parents. Her bed is nicer. Her bed she's is got, huge. She's got, like, um, uh, everything matches. Yeah. Whereas the parents have, like, this very trashy room. <laughs> They have a very small room, too. Yes. Like, you don't really get that great of a look at the parents' room. No, but mostly, looks... like, the mom just, like, kind of lounging, watching TV. Yeah. So Cindy goes into Donna's room, like, mostly just to, like... Yeah, because, like, <clears throat> sister talk, but it's all... It all just kind of runs together, everything they say. It's like, Cindy brings up boys, Donna rushes her off, says that she's too young. None, none of their conversations <clears throat> go anywhere. Donna always cuts her off, and that's it. For a movie called Cindy and Donna, there's no chemistry between these two characters. Yeah, this movie doesn't really establish, like, a very strong bond or sisterhood between Cindy and Donna. Yeah. Which maybe, I guess, like, they don't have to be because they're stepsisters, and, like, maybe that's kind of the point. Just, like, mm -hmm. how how kind of different of a dynamic that can be. And it's more how Donna's lifestyle influences Cindy. Yeah, in a negative way. Right. So, I don't know what this movie's trying to say, but uh, I have more about that later. <laughs> So yeah, Cindy and Donna have sister talk, and it's pretty much the same stuff. It's we just cut straight all about... to like the dad at the stripper's home. Yeah, because because what happened was, well, the reason that the dad was changing his clothes, and like that same part where the mother was berating him because of the little hawes. Yes. He was like, "That's it, I'm going out," and she was like, "Yeah, fine, go to your little hawes," and that's exactly what he does. Right to Alice's home, and uh, they talk for a little bit, like you know, have a little bit of banter. Yeah, like you know, she asks who he is. It's very like typical, like you know, woman talking to her John about like you know just whatever, just getting him talking. Uh, yeah, and then like they just they go right into it. It's a very long, unenticing sex scene. Yeah, it's it's long. It's not like too long. We have worse longer well, yeah, ones, not, but this not. one's still like longer than it needs to be. <laughs> but that's also like um, very awkward, like where he's putting his hands and stuff. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's supposed to be him, like, showing restraint, or is just, like, maybe the actor is just, like, uncomfortable because, like, this actress is just so much younger than him. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's tough to tell what's, like, actual direction and what's just, you know, people being weird. I also can't understand anything that Dad is saying during this when they're talking to each other because the music is too loud. Wasn't he wasn't he saying some shit like, oh, you blow my mind, oh, you blow my mind? Yeah, and that's why I was confused that's... about, like, his conservative hand movements on her because he's like, oh, you blow my mind, baby. <laughs> and then he's like, hover hand or, no, he's got like hover hands. <laughs> you 
know that? Baby, yeah. <laughs> his his hands are like barely even on her back. And like he grabs her chest and he's like barely even doing anything with it. It's just like a <laughs> There's nothing going on with these two. Yeah, the mu not only is the music loud, it's like a soft orchestral music, which was confusing because I was thinking, is that the score that they chose? Or we, at this point, can we just start saying how all music in this movie is fucking bad? The music in this movie, I can't Terrible. believe how bad every single instance of music in this movie <laughs> is awful. We mostly have the one uh, artist, it seems, who does Cindy's theme and also has a couple of different <laughs> ones. Like, for example, in this next scene, the boys come for Donna. Uh, just just Greg, actually. And he's blaring music from, like, the guy who did Cindy's theme. That's, like, another song of his. You said it was, like, discount, like, you know... Because, like, if you listen to the chord progression of the song and, like, the way the vocals sound, like, the way they're layered, it sounds like Don't Fear the Reaper, but yeah, sped up. right. It's weird. Like, that's a weird song to have sex to. Yeah. When I mean, they don't really have sex, Donna takes her top off. It's filmed at a weird angle. It's filmed at a very dark, like, above angle. Yeah. And it's, I, I guess that's just some of that aerial photography right. that would land the cinematographer. Or maybe it's just supposed to be job. weird, because this is where they get into smoking those dreaded drug cigarettes. Exactly. This, yeah. It's so we get they, they smoke. We have this weird angle. There's horrible ADR, uh, <laughs> hey. and all this time Cindy is washing. She actually like to go. I know like it's 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 the evening. She's only wearing her nighty. She's got to put something on. But she's like, where? She puts on a trench coat. She puts <laughs> so she's washing. <laughs> so she has this like fucking creepy like trench coat on while she's wa while she's <laughs> watching her sister do it. Given the type of people who probably made this movie, there were probably a lot of trench coats. There was enough set. trench coats to go around, yeah, <laughs> for wardrobe. Um, oh, also, God. another thing, um, so they're doing it in this guy's car, in their parking lot. If he has the car, why don't they just drive the fuck off? <laughs> like, they got this music on, the mom's in the house, why are they in the parking lot? This is not a very good plan they came up with. No! He came by not only to have sex, but, like, to sell her weed. In fact, I think, like, having sex with him is, was her way of paying him for the weed. Well, yeah, well, well, yeah, we see more of that later. So Cindy witnesses, like, you know, she goes outside to witness, you know, her sister having sex, because, like, you know, she wants to, she wants to know. She wants to put her toys away and not be afraid of a lover and, like, you know. Everything that the lyric, yeah. Yeah. So she goes back inside. It's a reap. it's another different arrangement of Cindy's theme. It's no, like elevator music this that's time. That's what I wrote. It's elevator music. It's <laughs> fucking elevator music Cindy's theme. If I was in an elevator and Cindy's theme came on... I'd, I'd, be, I'd be scared for my life. Yeah, I would, I would be. be like, this is scarier than fucking Devil by M. Night Shyamalan. I don't know why I'm making a bunch of Shyamalan references here. None of them fit. Yeah, but she also takes her clothes off again. From what I remember, this is a, the first scene where she's like full on masturbating, right? Yeah, she starts masturbating here. But this is also like where I just straight up write, this is barely a movie. It, it is, yeah, it's just kind of things happening. Not particularly exciting things. Mm -hmm. Not really things you want to see. No. Speaking of things we don't want to see, smash cut back to the dad. And yeah, we fade. Post-coital in the stripper's bed. And the stripper's like... Sh uh, She's shaving his chest. Her name's Alice. I should stop just calling her stripper. Um, yeah, because it's both the actress and the girl's in the, and the really? character's name. Yeah, her name is. She was so proud of that role. That she, <laughs> well, in the movie, she's like very proud of what she does too. She's like shown because in the same scene, she shows the dad like you know the magazine with her pose and everything. So good for her for finding at least finding a line of work that she likes. But she's like shaving his chest. 
with like this weird kind of uh electric it's whatever i don't want to think about it and then the dad is like um because okay so yeah she's showing him the magazine of all of her modeling pics and he keeps it and that kind of sets up another scene in the movie that we're going to talk about and, um, this... and then like the dad like again goes back into like his whole like schoolboy attitude where he's like you know oh boy when am i gonna can't just to see you again he's always like weird like that and then that's also when she drops the line that like you know oh yeah. i have school i'm 17 like your daughter yeah and then i'm, I'm i remember it, it like ends on that line. it ends on that note she, she admits that she's 17 and then it shows like the dad's like reaction face and then it fades to the next scene where uh which is uh cindy with her friend karen at school and by the way they are wearing some great they got some great 70s looks yeah they got great like 70s like dresses on oh yeah <laughs> the wardrobe for the rest of this film doesn't quite match this but this is like this is great right here oh my god it's beautiful cindy is talking to karen about like you know donna uh we find that Cindy's very sex negative she's not all about this she has a more conservative view on these things and she's not about what donna is putting down with these boys. Karen, on the other hand, she's more like Donna in many ways. Like many, there's many <laughs> points where I thought Karen was Donna. Yeah, they're both they, brunettes with the same hairstyle. Yeah, they look alike. A, the same age. <laughs> um, they have the same attitude. They function as the same. Um, Karen is just Donna who doesn't like brush her off. Do you think Karen is just in Cindy's mind? It's the <laughs> sister she wants Donna to be to actually pay attention and explain things to her. Because Donna is so neglectful and doesn't give a fuck about Cindy. Never yeah. spends any time with her. But Karen is always by Cindy's side. That's an interesting theory. I, I think this movie deserves a, a critical reading. No, it doesn't. Let's keep going. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is the part where like you know Cindy's talking about you know she she tells Karen about watching donna and greg do it and she's saying like oh i just thought it was really ugly and offensive like it was awful it was awful she's got some great line deliveries here it yeah. was very ugly and offensive it was awful it was awful it was awful sydney's got some great lines and then and then the next scene like it's fantastic <sighs> we get back to the mom yeah, it, like, I keep forgetting just how fucking all over the place some of these scenes can be. Yeah, she's at the bar that the husband frequents. Yeah. Like, her, like her, the night, husband's friends are there. On a night where the dad just happens to not be there. Yeah. And she's, like, harassing the men at the bar. She's, like, she starts out just, like, rambling on about, it's like, oh, you know, my husband doesn't find me attractive. He's going out with all these little hoes. <laughs> and the two guys she's sitting between are just, like, yeah, yeah, yeah just, just trying, trying, to, to, trying ignore to ignore her. her yeah. Then she's like, you know, putting her arms around both of them, just like, I bet you boys would like to take me out. I bet either one of you would love to take me home right now if I'd let you. <laughs> so, like, they actually take her out, <clears throat> but they they're, not gonna take her. they're not going to take advantage of a drunk woman. They take her, and they put her in the car, and I was like, oh, well, that's nice. Like, wait, they put, her in, they put this drunk woman in the front seat of her car. <laughs> so, like, for a second, I was like, you know... Oh, they're doing the responsible thing, and they're not gonna like you know take advantage of this drunk lady. Uh, no, they don't care. They just want her out of their out of their sight. They put her in the behind just... the wheel of her fucking car. She's blitzed. <laughs> it's so weird because like I remember the first time you know it wasn't the the last time we watched this, which was just a couple nights ago for this podcast. But the last time I saw Cindy and Donna, which was a couple years ago, I remembered that scene wrong. I thought they like threw her in a dumpster. <laughs> I... <laughs> Because, I want to see that version. Where's that cut? <laughs> because I think I wanted Release to believe that. Release the dumpster that. cut. <laughs> I wanted to believe that because I guess, like, maybe I was just thinking of the scene in Purple Rain where Morris Day throws the girl in the dumpster. <laughs> do you remember that? that? Yes, I do. <laughs> Holy shit. I was thinking of that, and I was just projecting it. 
is just like I want this movie to be better than it is. So let's it's just insert a scene from a good movie in there. And I feel like um, later on they realize that oh shit, it's pretty bad that these guys put this drunk lady in the car. So there's an eighty yard line of one of the guys saying, "Yeah, let her let her sleep it off." It's like in the yeah, in the front seat of her car. Sure. Yeah. We, <laughs> okay, so. We go back to we know, go back to Cindy and she's she's, narr- she's writing a letter to Bobby. This is where we hear another instrumental version. Yeah, and this is just like a normal instrumental version of the theme that doesn't have the vocals on it. So she's this just one's... like kind of uh, going over like all the good times with Bobby. How Donna's a freak. How she, no one really understands. Uh, everyone's like just too too freaky. Everyone's too fast faced for her. She's um, contemplating the good times then. Yeah, and there's this great part. Where, like, she's talking about all those times on the beach, and then there's, like, you know, that big black dog is out of sight. And like <laughs> Because there's... while she's narrating, writing her letter, it, like, shows flashbacks of this, literally the same footage from the opening credits where they're walking on the beach. It's literally just the same shots. Yeah. And this but, like, dog you get comes to, in. But you get to see a bit more of it, because, you know, this big black dog, you know, I think it's a stray dog that wandered on set. I, I, ex- that's exactly Because that's I not thought. the only undirected dog in the movie. We'll get another one. Yeah. I feel like they just, like, kind of added that line of dialogue. To just be like, that line couldn't th- that dog was not planned so no. i do like to think that that line was just thrown in there like yeah. after they got the dailies back and they're just like oh shit <laughs> they uh a dog ran up to him mm-hmm. but yeah the exact line was wonder if that big black dog misses us he was out, out of sight. sight i wonder if that big black dog misses us he was out of sight the rest of her dialogue he was out of sight I remember the rest of her dialogue in that scene, the rest of her narration. Like, you couldn't hear that well because the music is still kind of Oh, yeah, most of it, it is totally drowned out by the fucking music. <clears throat> they, I guess the director really wanted this band to make it big, so yeah. we gotta we gotta devote as much attention to, the, to these guys' music as possible. Well, let's transition into the next scene, which is... Um, uh, how do you want to get started on this next scene? I really don't know how. To, <laughs> I really don't know how to preface this next scene because I know this is the scene that kind of. I mean, this well, is, there are two different scenes that tipped it over the edge for me, obviously. Yeah. But like going back, this this really is just one of the most despicable movies I've ever seen yeah. because this scene. Okay, so what happens is you know, so the last time we saw Ted was he was with Alice. And Alice, you know, dropped the ball that like, oh, I'm 17, just like your daughter. But that was the day before. When did he have time to get drunk this time? Because the mom was <laughs> at the bar where he wasn't. So where the fuck was he? Just sitting on the corner? <laughs> I guess so. So, so well, let's just power through this bullshit. Yeah. Dad so. wobbles home drunk, talking loudly to himself about his bitch of a wife. He walks past uh, Cindy's room, uh, sees her asleep, closes the door, which is... Uh, remember that. He then wobbles into donna's room where she is fast asleep uh he kind of like touches her shoulder to see if she's awake a couple times like sort of past her shoulder and then just like just pops the shirt rips it straight <laughs> off just like it, it goes from it goes from like you know oh is he gonna do what i think he's gonna do to him just like ripping his shirt clean off and then there's really no no, no time is wasted wherein uh ted just starts going right into his daughter and donna just like doesn't even right really wake up just does she, do you think she she doesn't wake up i see her like open her eyes a couple times but like there's no way that she like, they just fully... start going at it like it's so it is gross it's one of the yeah. it's terrible i've seen a lot of fucked up movies but for some reason like this scene this is this is like just disgusting yeah i've seen a serbian film and even this was just like you know like you serbian know, film was like yeah this is too try hard this one just felt easier <laughs> 
I've, I've seen Cannibal Holocaust. I've seen Forced Entry. But, like, this like this made me feel dirty. <laughs> I'm just like, ugh, maybe I should, like, reclaim my Christian faith and, like, just start going to confession again. Right. <laughs> That's how someone makes And then we cut to... Cindy and then it pans, it pans over to Cindy. You know, she watches the whole thing. She, she just happens it. to see it. She witnesses she's not, it. She's, yeah. she's, she's she's terrified, although, you know, her performance isn't good enough to, like, fully she convey, really convey it. it no. She's just kind of staring like... She's, like, stone-faced looking at it. Then she goes to her bed and cries. And then we cut to the next morning where it's just Cindy and Donna having breakfast. Cindy is wearing pigtails. Yeah, at this point, like, Cindy is dressed like an American girl doll. She looks like friggin' Annabelle. I, yeah. I guess... It, <laughs> what I thought was... This would have been, like, a good idea to, like, start with. Start the movie having her, like, dressed in innocent clothes. And then as things get more debauched and she tries new things, yeah. have her outfits changed. But no, this is just, like, in the middle. That's weird. Especially since her very first scene, she flashes her panties. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, Cindy's wearing pigtails. I like to think that it's just a very ham-fisted attempt to, like, symbolize, like, you know, her innocence, her yeah, childlike innocence. between her and Donna. <laughs> But, like, she doesn't talk about what happened with Donna. No one will talk about what happened with Donna. We're not going to bring that up. It never... That's it the doesn't worst, get brought up. That's the worst thing. It doesn't you, impact the story at all. You witness this terrible, disturbing scene of a, of a stepfather... Of a father molesting her stepdaughter. And it's just never brought up again. Nope. Where's where's going to go on? Uh, Mom comes back. We, no, we get, we get more awkward dialogue between Cindy and Donna. Because, like, you know, Cindy's, like, staring at Donna, yeah. obviously, because of what she witnessed the night before. And Donna's just like, what are you, what are you looking at? What's your problem? Like, I, I don't understand you. And then Cindy Nobody says... Nobody understands me. And Cindy's like, I don't understand you. I don't understand you. And then Donna has another great line where, like, you know, she's talking about how, like, sex isn't a big deal. She's like, you know, it's just a big kick. It's a trip. I don't know. It's a groove. You know, it's just a big kick. A trip, you know. I mean, you know, it's a groove. It's like, could you possibly, could you possibly cram any more? Yeah. <laughs> any more? Can you 70s? be any more seventies? Can you like? This is almost like a parody. So the next, so in the next scene, Cindy is having another talk with Karen, and I can't even remember what the talk was really even about. Like, weren't they like talking about how? Wasn't Karen asking her like, oh, have you and Bobby ever done it? And she's like, nah, we don't do that stuff. We kissed and petted. Like, was that the same scene? I think or was, so. Or is that the one before where they're running? There's the a lot of, like, just go nowhere scenes, so it might just be one of those. So many of these scenes just run together. They're not worth remembering. So I couldn't be bothered to, like, really take down, like, exactly what they were talking about. But this is the scene where, like, as they're talking, like, Greg drives up behind them. And, like, you know, he and Donna are talking about, you know, their weed yeah. transactions. Donna doesn't have enough to pay for it, and so she says that, like, you know, it establishes that, like, you know, they have a thing going on, and that, like, you know, Donna can make it up later, which will come back yeah, later and on. Yeah, and that sets up the next scene of theirs. And, like, <laughs> because they're in the car, they have the radio on, and there's a fucking song in the background, which, once again, is by the band that did the theme song and the Don't Fear the Reaper knockoff. And now it's like a Stones ripoff. Yeah, this one it's it sounded like like a bad Stones. Sounds song. like a really bad like just Stones. Like I thought like because <laughs> at first I thought did they like license just like you know a really shitty Stones song for this one scene? <laughs> they they wouldn't even they wouldn't be able to afford even the worst Rolling Stones song. Yeah, this is where like I put in my notes like I would hate to live in this universe where that's the only rock band that exists. Yeah, because it obviously is. You either get like that rock band or or the band that did the mother's country theme or like the loungy whatever lounge jazz band does like all the different variations of the Cindy theme. Right. 
like the elevator music or like that slower sad version it reminds me of playing uh the 2006 sonic the hedgehog game where there's just like you know an infinite number of like the of like the his world like main theme <laughs> anywhere you go like for any emotion any feeling any atmospheric thing in that game they have a different arrangement of that and it's perfect i just love movies like i, I just really like movies like that where all the music is just variations on the theme. Like Carrie did the same thing. Yeah, you know, Mash did the same thing. It's <laughs> yeah. Like mostly in the TV show. The TV, yeah, no, in you the hear... Mash movie, it's mostly just like you know the 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 main theme. But in the TV show, uh, you have Suicide is Painless, like goofy version. <laughs> suicide is Painless, like you yeah, know, there's there's like the hijinks version of Suicide is Painless. <laughs> so in the next scene, mom and dad are leaving for vacation. And again, we have bluegrass music playing yeah, as they're it's, leaving. It's very comedic as they're leaving. Also, um, you know, like, you know, the mother packs up the suitcase and she tells uh, the dad to get it. And the dad picks it up and it spills everywhere. And it's like, yeah. Also, um, Cindy asks if the reason that they're going to Vegas for this for like this second money to second honeymoon type deal is just because dad is feeling guilty. Do you think that's her addressing that just everyone knows that he fucked Donna or like feels guilty because like you know mom knows about the whores and he doesn't come home for dinner I mean it could easily be that but like yeah it's probably something like that because we do establish that like like everybody in the household knows of like the mother's like general dissatisfaction with the dad yeah you know she he does he's always late for dinner she doesn't she you know he doesn't take the mother out enough so it could, they could be referring to that mm -hmm. so then we hear the instrumental of the theme song kick in once again while cindy is yet again writing a letter to bob oh my god yeah this one i couldn't hear her at all yeah she doesn't really say anything of substance it, yeah there's no black dog this time both of her letters are basically just like you know everybody's telling me about how great it is to have sex well you know what i think our relationship is good where it is like it's mostly just to that effect does bobby even exist yeah we don't see bobby outside of the opening credits footage nope and then um after the letter goes the vocals kick in when cindy gets in the shower this is another drawn out poorly filmed scene just an excuse to show Cindy's ass. Yeah. The angle that it's filmed at is like it's mostly just for like turning on the shower. Like it's not it's not a it's not a particularly sexy shower scene, but then again, none of the scenes in this movie no, that are supposed to be dry. sexy are supposed are particularly sexy. And let's just address it like the actresses are very pretty. Um the the yeah. actresses who play Cindy is uh very pretty. The way it's the okay. scenes the way the scenes are filmed and the no. way she's performing the, it's just so passionless. Yeah. Like, there's just no... Uh, I mean, I never watch films like this for, like, you know, kicks anyway. <laughs> so it, it, that doesn't help. But, like, also, this is just, like, so bad. It is it is atrocious. Yeah. So then uh, Karen comes over, and she's wearing her swimsuit. But I honestly just thought, given these characters, I thought she just wasn't wearing pants. <laughs> yeah, she would just walk around like that. Yeah, because she has, like, you know... um something over like her, her top so i thought like she just wasn't wearing pants but no uh and i thought it was donna at first too because like i said <laughs> i get them mixed up i think karen is just the donna that lives in cindy's head and is more affirming to her and we also get donna comes home too before she leaves to go with greg because we're gonna get two scenes that like just kind of like cut into each other uh donna with greg and uh karen and cindy at the beach with these dudes yeah uh donna comes home wearing like this vest with no bra underneath with, like, yeah the tassels and stuff <laughs> But yeah, she gets very... to go see Greg. She um, 
in these creepy guys, she actually wears something like less enticing. It's just like yeah, a regular go-go dress. Just a very bland. Yeah, like, just like a like very light pale teal, green. Pale it's green. Like, yeah. yeah, something like that. So when Cindy gets out of the shower, like she greets Karen and she sh- she Cindy ends up finding the magazine that yeah, Alice, Alice is showing magazine to Dad. That, that, uh, yeah. Because going back to before the parents left, like you know, I mentioned how they, when the dad picked up the suitcase, all the stuff fell out and like it was supposed to be goofy. Yeah. And then, like, Cindy, I guess Cindy must have uh, picked up the magazine. I didn't catch that at all. I didn't catch it at all, but then, like, afterwards I was thinking about it, like, oh, shit, that's right. Maybe she was just, like, perusing the room. So she finds the magazine, and she's, like, showing the pictures to Karen, like, look, like, this belongs to my dad. Because, like, I guess, like, the dad, like, must have, like, circled her pictures, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. She's showing them to Karen, and they don't have any dialogue. She's there's just no like real reason she's like that. giving her like these. She's well. I Cindy's... think like, there's some images of like you know girl and girl action in there, and I think like that's kind of the setup for later on. You know what? I honestly never thought of that. Because like, I think they mention it when they when we get to that scene. They will say like the girls in the magazine. I can't believe I didn't catch that. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. So anyway, they go to the beach, and then there's these two dudes in their chairs scoping out the broads on the beach, and they, when they spot uh, Karen. <laughs> And Cindy and Karen uh, wastes no time in enticing them. Like she just she sits in front, right in front of them, and starts like you know rubbing lotion on her. Legs. Yeah, she's just like I know how to drive them wild. And I thought she was going <laughs> to do something a bit more subtle. They're already seated two feet in front of these guys without saying <laughs> hi. I thought there was going to be some more something a bit more subtle, a bit more. But no, she f- turns, faces them, looks them <clears throat> dead in the eye, and then just like starts kind of rubbing lotion in her crotch. So <laughs> and, and then does, like after a minute. And after a minute and a half of that, they get up and introduce. They get up and talk. Yeah. And then they go back to a beach house where they start making out. And then we cut to Donna arriving at Greg's, and like that's not really much of a scene. That's just her like getting there. Yeah. But like we'll get back to that. There's, that's where there's the second. There's just like kind of a dog on the sidewalk. There's a dog just there on the sidewalk. <laughs> well, because it looked like a pretty big driveway that she was coming up. Yeah. Like maybe they just had like a driveway dog, you know? It was a cute dog. It was a cute dog. It's just you. You only saw it from like far away. Now Donna's got to repay Greg's favor. She's got to take some pictures with these guys. And at first, this kind of plays out like it's going to be an uncomfortable scene. Like, Donna is with this um, much older man. Uh, she's now at his place with his friends who are photographers. Got to take some pictures. And and Greg's like, nah, they're just normal pictures. But you know what? They are just normal pictures. It's just kind of her standing there. And then she <laughs> voluntarily gets naked. Yeah. Eventually and she starts just, banging everybody. She just gets so into it. She gets into it. Takes Did, did she... Because she asks Greg for weed. She, yeah. I think like because like they all smoked weed and drank a little before but that. But she also said... But because like she was... She didn't repay him. Like didn't she refuse to give him... Didn't he refuse to give her weed? He gave her like a drink instead? Probably. Were they drunk in that scene? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. They might have been drunk. Because I yeah. think like, at this point he was refusing her weed because like this was him paying her back for that. Yeah, so that's the scene that goes on for an excruciatingly long time. That was oh, the scene where God. that was the scene. This where, is the worst scene, I think. That this was point, a... in terms of length. <laughs> like obviously, there's still like the dad and Donna, but this scene's bad. Yeah, th- this was the scene where while we were watching it, you like got up to go to the bathroom, and I didn't even have to pause it. No, because like this, this is an awful <laughs> film to watch together with anyone. Yeah, Did not recommend it. <laughs> Terrible. Could you imagine, like, fucking, like, how desperate would you have to have been to, like, I don't know, would you bring your date to this movie? Like, this was, this was, this was, like, the era of, like, known sleaze where you'd probably go to this alone. Where there's lots of dudes in the theater alone, uh, dude seating, leave a (laughs) a chair in between so there's enough room, (laughs) enough leg room to spread out. And, uh, you know. So that scene goes on for too long. And finally, we get at least a little bit of a change up with the music. 
but it's 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 mainly just like bad instrumental. It's really bad. It's like, like experimental. Like I guess. acid, like acid blues rock, like very fuzz toned. Maybe it's trying like, to like. Wah, 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 wah. Maybe it's trying to like reflect just the um, the botchery of what's going on. <laughs> but no, it's just bad. Also, these two dudes that's, that Greg is with, there's like just these gross doughy photographers. <laughs> One of them just like gets fully nude on top of Donna. Um, he's the only guy who's going to get naked for this whole movie. So it's like, you know, why? Everyone else keeps their boxers on. Why, like, why was it so important to you? Was this a directorial thing where, like, we, we got to, like, get, we got to even it out. We got to have one dude. We got to get, get, we got to get that ass in there. Because, uh, no. <laughs> like, the other guy who's, like, awkwardly, like, leaning over the couch, leering at them while they do this, he has his boxers on. Yeah. And Greg's fully closed, just, like, laughing at this. He's just watching. He's just watching and laughing. He's having, he's yeah, having the, a ball. The photographers go from just taking pictures and then a very quickly devolves to just a full-on three-way. it's so long. It's long. It's not even a three-way because they take turns. Yeah, that's right. That's my mistake. They take turns. There's no penetration. The guy rolls off and the other guy rolls (laughs) on. And like there's... So when that torturously long scene is over, it cuts back back to another torturously long scene. It's the beach house with the beach dudes. (laughs) Notice that they have like empty spark plug cardboard boxes. What the hell was that? What the hell? (laughs) I mean... Like, you know, dudes will always put, like, some type of, like, weird, like, quirky house decoration, like, would they have their own place? Yeah. Was this their own place? This was, like, a very small, like, beach house type place. Maybe. Like a a shack. This wasn't even a room of a house. This was, like, a shack. (laughs) It was a very sleazy shack. Yeah. Do you know these guys are out here on the beach every night looking for tail to bring back to their... Uh, sleaze shack like so that's what this th- place is for and i forgot to bring and it's up still not inviting and i and i forgot to bring up just how fucking gross the beach looked it is a pretty gross beach it's yeah. kind of like it's not like it's not it's not crowded obviously because this isn't really where you go so like why are like this is obviously just like the only beachfront property these guys could afford so that's like kind of where they're limited <laughs> the only one that why uh, not just go a couple miles down the beach to where the ladies are and then like you know if you if you get some, then, like, go back to, like, hey, I got this beach house. Sure, it's on a shitty part of the beach, but I think, like, it's got to impress someone that you got your own yeah, place. Yeah, I mean, it's private, you know. Yeah, it's, like, why stay at the really shitty part of the beach where you're located? Like, no one, guys just don't want to move in this movie. The, the, the dad's a real go-getter, you know? He's out there all the time after Alice, but, like, you know, Greg stays in the parking lot to, like, you know, smoke weed and do it with um, Donna he has her come to his place for the photos. Um, those guys aren't... Those guys, they're, they're literally right in front of their beach house. They walk two feet to go in there. They're not going anywhere for chicks. Gosh. The state of men these days in the 70s. So, so this scene goes on forever. Basically, Karen is doing it with this one guy. Just like totally into it. And like Cindy's just kind of like letting the other guy just kind of do what he not wants. Not really let... She's like half protesting like every once in a while she'll be like no like it's adr <laughs> like a like stop karen we need to go but like it's it's so, such long intervals for like a protest it's weird yeah the scene is all adr it's like come on put out a little won't you or something like that well like, he's come. he's saying these lines while his mouth is enclosed around her neck and he comes <laughs> possibly <laughs> and like karen is just like come on cindy you just gotta try it because that's most of her dialogue in this movie yeah it's like come on oh cindy you gotta know what it's like 
Yeah. None of these characters. This goes on forever. It's none just of these the most boring, sleaziest thing. None of these characters are real people. And the music, once again, by our favorite band. This time, it's just like a really cheesy ballad, it sounded like. Mm-hmm. It's not even like, you know, high energy, like, you know, sexy music. It's just a, it just sounds like a lame love song. Mm-hmm. I also like how Karen gets fully nude, but neither of the guys do. No. Well, <laughs> honestly, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I don't want to see these guys. The one, <laughs> yeah. guy, the one guy takes his shirt off. Yeah. Because I think he was already like like uh in his um trunks but i think feel like between scenes didn't one of the guys like actually put a shirt on <laughs> seriously i'm pretty sure one of the guys has a shirt on now yeah when like when they were on the beach he didn't you know as long and as uncomfortable as this scene is you know compared to the rest of them i think like this is probably the only long sex scene that like kind of serves a point in a way because the point of the scene is to show that like you know cindy's uncomfortable like, she was kind of thrown into this. Like, she thought she wanted this, but she really doesn't. But, like, now she's, like, just totally being handled by this guy. I don't know, because we already know that, that, that Cindy's not comfortable with this. She flat out says it. She shows it. So I don't know why we needed, like, a long scene to establish that. Well, yeah, exactly. So eventually they just leave. After enough, <laughs> like, after enough, like, saying, just, no, I want to go, Karen's just like, all right, let's go. Yeah, nobody reaches And the guys are just, the, the one guy's just, like, kind of, like, half disappointed he's like eh, whatever he's like, he doesn't even mm. care he's used to disappointing women yeah then we go back to the mom and dad in the car on the way to las vegas more country music they're it's arguing. terrible i hate it they're arguing <laughs> um there's some like actually like great shots of the mom like there's like a, an angled shot of her oh, face that's really good it's, it's the only like interesting shot in the movie I think. yeah and it's almost like kind of creepy because it it's is. like a wide angle shot yeah and it's and like the mother is like made up to look like just like you know a total hag. Oh yeah, so it's they actually make her look terrible. So it's actually like kind of creepy, mm-hmm. weirdly enough. Yeah, that, like that's what I said. She's like an old Disney villain. She's like Cruella <laughs> Deville uh, meets Maleficent. She's doing all this like you know monologuing, but she looks like sort of like a Cruella Deville type. So while they're driving, the dad wants. Because, like, you know, the mother keeps complaining, and then finally the dad is just like, hey, let's stop at a convenience store and get you a drink. Yeah, so, let's get blitzed. So let's while, get wrecked. While we're on the road. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they stop at a convenience store, and while the mom's, like, you know, in the store, there's a, t- there's a phone booth right there. So the father goes in to, like, call Alice one more time. Literally, this yeah. is the last interaction between <laughs> the dad and Alice this in the is where whole this movie. Pl- this is where the plot point with dad, uh, with, with the parents just ends. Everything... That's not Cindy Donna is gone at this point. Just comes to a screeching halt. It doesn't really... It just kind of fizzles out. We'll get back to screeching halts. Oh, boy. <laughs> it doesn't really end. There's not even really, really there's any... There's no resolution. Cl- there's no, no, no There's no closure. Literally, who needs closure for something you never cared about in the first place? Because literally, when the dad calls Alice, like, the whole interaction is just like, hey, I miss you, and I want to see you. And yeah, she's it's, like, it's him like, oh, it, hey, I miss you. I want to see you again, girly girl. <laughs> and she's just like, sorry, I'm busy. And, yeah, that's, like, yeah, I'm busy. and that's it. Yeah, she says, like, uh, I'm busy. Like, Maybe next week. He's like, eh, I don't know. And then it just... Uh, it's over. It's, it's like, sure, whatever. And then that's it. So after, like, the cutting in between the two terrible, awful, torturous sex scenes, finally Cindy and Karen go back home. By the way, Cindy has an awesome turntable. She does. I love it. Like, like you kind of, like, open it and it, like, flips down. Mm-hmm. And this is where things get weird, okay? So they they get home. They're unwinding after, like, this um, day at the beach, which for Cindy was pretty bad. Was she just wants experience. to calm down. So what does Cindy want to do? She's stolen some of Donna's weed. This is uncharacteristic for her. This yeah. whole scene is. Like, she has stolen Donna's weed. I want to get high. She's like, I want to get high. I want to get high. And, like, not even Karen knows how to smoke weed. Like, Cindy has to show her how to yeah. smoke weed. We've never seen Cindy smoke before. This it's, is just a weird, uncharacteristic it's a, scene. It's just a total 180. It's like, yeah, Cindy is debauched now, yeah, from, all of a sudden. Yeah, all of a sudden, like, you know, uh, this gets weird. They start smoking, 
And then uh, Karen starts making out with Cindy, and then they do it. They end up. They they do it. Let's they it's end a, whatever. Up, they end up deflowering each other. There's well, a weird. Come, come on, a, Karen said it before. <laughs> there's a weird like psychedelic soundtrack. There's an there's echo, echo in their voices. There's when an they echo get filter high. on their dialogue. Yeah, it's not terribly long, but like it's obvious. Like like most scenes, it goes on longer than it needs to. Yeah, and also like when it cuts to them in bed, it's nighttime. So it's like you really <laughs> did they do it all day? Yeah, it's like <laughs> the fuck because like they both didn't seem into it to begin with. How did they make a whole <laughs> evening of this? Like because then the next scene is the morning after they're in the yeah. kitchen. Cindy, lo- Cindy asks about her performance. I like how that's her first instinct. Yeah. And Karen, Karen, like, Karen says she was marvelous. Cindy, you were marvelous. Okay, one thing about this scene, I, like, the delivery and, like, the acting has been bad. But why in this scene, like, towards the end of the movie, is it just so much worse? The line delivery and everything is just so bad between them. Maybe that's just, maybe it's just the weed. The weed just killed yeah. every single one of their brain cells. I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> well, I think weed factors into like a lot of themes with this movie. We'll talk about that when we just get through the rest of this plot because there's not much left. There's it's, not much left. We're at the. Uh, we're, we're at the end. We're in the home stretch. I love this scene because, like you know, Cindy's first instinct is to be like, "Karen, was I good?" And Karen's like, "Cindy, you were marvelous, but you have no idea what it's like till you've been with a guy." And the, How does she refer to it? Like, you know, with the woman's a substitute for the real she thing. She says, I mean, this between us, it's just a substitute for the real thing. <laughs> <laughs> Lesbians don't exist. Exactly. It's like, you, what? You can tell that this was written by men who were born in, like, the 1910s. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If tens. Don't ex- Those tens boys. Don't expect this movie to have very enlightened this I- is really, ideas yeah. about sex. <laughs> So now that like Cindy's just fully debauched, like out of nowhere, oh, I, I guess, I guess like she's like possessed by a horny spirit now, really. I guess when they were on their way back from the beach after that horrible experience of the one guy, Cindy just thought to herself, you know what? On second thought, that wasn't that bad. You know what? I'll try that again sometime. Oh, Cindy just have like a really great line where like, you know, when Karen says, you just gotta try it. It's the greatest. And then Cindy says, but with who? But with who? <laughs> I forgot about that. It's awesome. That's probably my favorite delivery in the yeah. entire movie. At least it's also her. just the look on her face because like, yeah. her expression doesn't like. It's, but it's, with who? But with who? Okay, so, so here so, we go. So Cindy's ready to do it with a guy. She's ready. She's willing. She needs she's to able. trap them though. Yeah. So <laughs> so Donna's so Donna's creepy dudes come over and Cindy is like um she's, they go around to the back where they have like a pool and everything that we haven't seen or established that before. we never saw before which is yeah weird. and Cindy is out there like you know rubbing lotion on herself um her personality is totally different when these guys roll up like she is ready to bone she is ready to snatch these guys yeah she is full she's got them wrapped around her finger like Greg is eyeing her up the one guy doesn't say a word to her and just starts taking he pictures just, that's he my... doesn't say a word the whole scene he's just taking pictures of her like of her, just straight up into her crotch too exactly that was my that's probably my favorite part that's that's or at least that's the part that made me laugh the hardest yeah that is just so fucking ridiculous and i like this it just immediately starts taking pictures. just in case you haven't been just in case like this roller coaster ride of a confusing and very deep and layered plot has been kind of throwing you for too many twists and turns and you don't quite follow what's going on as cindy is trying to seduce greg you get like a phantomy echoey like <laughs> voice of karen saying like cindy you just gotta try it <laughs> like just in case a, you don't understand what's going yeah, on yeah right but now. it's a different take and it's, it's still, a different take from the because it's got to be sped up because they delivered. had to insert it between like two lines of dialogue and it's delivered even worse yeah 
in the in the previous scene it was like you just gotta try it but in her head it was like you just gotta try it <laughs> cindy oh hi cindy you just gotta find out it's wild i mean it's the greatest this is also the scene of where Cindy has probably uh, one of my other favorite lines in the movie. Don't be fresh. Don't be fresh. Yeah, so he's here to see Donna. Um, but then he's like, oh, I wouldn't mind seeing you too. Like, Don't be fresh. Or it might be more fun with you. Don't be fresh. But she says, like, Donna won't see you. Like she's, she says like Donna can't see you now. She's being weird. She's, she just gives she's, like some vague reason like Donna's just being weird. If you want to really yeah. be with a girl, you gotta get with me. <laughs> so they come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. Like I guess yeah. when Donna's gone. So we had, so we wait till the next day. The, uh, Greg left the photographer at home. He wants Donna all to herself. And Donna's wearing like a really cool like seventies wear again. She's got like a really cool shirt like uh, dress on. Yeah. It's pretty badass, honestly. <laughs> um, and so, like, they just go right into it. And of all, like, the awkward sex scenes, like, this one actually, like, at least seems sort of real. Like, they both seem into it. Yeah. All of these, every other scene is, like, you know, um, it's either, like, the awkward dad one or, like, the guys are obviously, like, getting paid to, like, just, like, be on top of this girl. So, like, oh, boy. Oh, like, boy. <laughs> like, the girls are just, like, overselling it. Just, like, kind of, like. Like it's like sort of rhythmically uh, moving, like, uh, yeah, like those like weird static face of ecstasy. With <laughs> in this scene, like it, like they both like seem to be into it. It's uncomfortable. It's not titillating, but at least seems more real. Yeah, which is weird because Cindy's supposed to be the innocent one, and she's the one like selling it the best. Yeah, like just like out of nowhere, finally for this last scene, she finally gives it her all. Yeah, so. At, a, at the point in the movie where we care the least, because we've already seen like after eighty minutes of this shit. Mm -hmm. It's like, you just don't care anymore. So they have sex. It's a long, uninterrupted take. Yeah, it's not that long. It's not like a really long scene. I feel like they're fin I feel like at this point they're finished with the movie because what happens next? Do, who, uh, who, should say, who should say what happens next? So as they're having sex, and like before they do, they still have some, they have some pretty good dialogue. Is Donna good? Could I be as good as her? She's okay. I'll show you things I've never shown her. Mind you, Cindy is 15, and <sighs> and Greg not only is supposed—he's like, not only supposed to be older, but like he very much looks the part. He yeah, is, he is a large, meaty like man who's got to be like in like his late 20s, early oh, he's, 30s, he's probably. His, he's in his 30s. Yeah, he's he's closing 40. At one point, I know I I heard Cindy say, "Can you dig it?" Oh yeah, I wrote that down too, but it was just kind of thrown in there <laughs> with very little context. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I can dig it. Just throw in one more 70s catchphrase in there. And, you know, why, why wait? Let's just get into what happens next. They're doing it. Um, Donna walks in, says, You dirty bastard! Leave her alone! You dirty bastard! Without having time to really process what's going on. Yeah, she comes she, in, like, She comes in immediately. and instant delivers it like she's been ready. She opens the door. You dirty bastard! Without the, the time it takes to process... Who these two people are? What is going on? No, she's just like, no, dirty bastard, get your hands off of her. Yeah, and the line. Greg delivery wastes is, no. The line delivery is Greg. It's the line delivery is one of the worst I've ever heard in any movie, and that just makes it even better. Greg gets up and he throws her the he, he right pushed, the fuck out of her own on shoves, the ground, shoves he, her out the door. Like very aggressive. It is the most very like, aggressive. Holy shit. Like, it's, it's not even, like, super brutal, but, like, just the attitude. He exactly. gets up, doesn't say a word, grabs her by the arm, 
shoves her out her own fucking house. <laughs> and then, like, this horror music starts playing. Yeah. Dun, as, dun, dun, dun. as, like, Donna just starts, like, has starts, like, weeping, like, oh, my God. She, like, starts, like, wobbling away from the house. She trips she's, and like, falls. She's, like, she's in a daze. She's in, like, this, she can't believe what's happening. She keeps, like, walking um, into the street. A car immediately comes and hits her. And then we cut to the door where Cindy has witnessed this. Um, she screams, freeze frame while she's screaming. So like the screaming goes after it's already paused. Yeah. She says, yeah, she screams like, ah, oh my God, like, Donna. Ah, Donna. And then you hear, you hear sirens. You hear, yeah, you hear sirens. And then uh, that's it. Then that's... the theme song comes back in and Cindy is on a swing set. Yeah. We cut to like this, this like. This, is it like, a flashback B- or a flash forward? I have no fucking clue. It's like a, it's like B-roll footage. Cause like the, it, the quality of the. Like, the way it looks, it looks different from the rest of the movie. It's, yeah, it's, it's this the normal, like, you know... It's like slow motion, it's like kind of slow motion of her, like, on the swings, and the theme song plays one more time, just says the end, no end credits, fade to black, and that's the fucking movie. Yes. That is the end. Well, all I had is this movie is just, it's ugly, it's passionless, it gives you everything you'd expect out of sexploitation, but, like, none of the unique charm that, like, you know, draws people into lots of this stuff. There's no individual flair. It's just boring and plotting. Nothing about this stands out. There's nothing memorable. It's a series of just trashy voyeuristic scenes. <laughs> There's a plot which, like you know, could have gone somewhere as far as like you know, like you know, self discovery in your teenage years. But it's just a vehicle for all these smutty themes. Yeah, it's, just, it's one of the most banal exploitation films I've ever seen. Like, even some of the worst of the worst I've seen, lots of other crown pictures, they have some defining character characteristic. This is just limp, mean-spirited garbage. And it is mean-spirited. Let me get into that. Oh, God, it very much Okay, because besides the ending, that's just... Donna just dies, and that's it. We're not, there's, there's no... Nothing's being conveyed. We just ended the movie by killing Donna. Whatever. But, like, even in the middle, when the dead has sex with Donna... That's not. That doesn't impact the plot. That doesn't impact the that characters. Does, that That's an assault on the audience, right there. Yeah. It's just like you know, hey, motherfuckers, sit with this for the rest of it. You have to watch <laughs> this. The characters don't. The characters don't know it happened, but you do. So like, they don't know. You they don't do the anything about time. it. It's oh my god. It's it's terrible. Yeah. The only way I can really sum up my feelings on this movie is to uh, just like kind of quickly tell the story of the first time I ever saw this, <laughs> because I did mention earlier that this was the movie that sort of got me interested in, you know, trashy exploitation movies. And I remember, <laughs> I remember the, I remember the exact fucking day. That's how much I remember. And the reason I remember the exact day was because two days after I saw this movie, I went to a concert, and I still had the ticket from that concert. What concert was that? Uh, my parents took me to see uh, a Grateful Dead cover band. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and the tickets... Even with the 70s theme. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, my ticket says September 22nd, 2010. So you so got I... down to the exact fucking date when your life changed forever. Yeah. For the worse. Exactly. I don't know why. I'm just, I, I just like remembering specific dates for some reason. So yes, it was September 20th, 2010. I was in eighth grade. <laughs> I came home from school one day. I was the first one home, like I usually was. 
my older brother was in college at the time, so his bedroom was empty. And I and I remembered a couple years prior he had bought this DVD called you know Drive-In Cult Classics Volume One. I don't remember why. I think he just kind of bought it because he was just like, hey, these you know he was he was a teenager at the time. Like, hey, these movies have a lot of nudity in them. Lots of people <laughs> at that time were like getting into Tarantino, and I think some people had like you know some fascination with like where he was coming from with his inspiration, but no one ever like. I feel like Tarantino fans very rarely actually get like get into expectation through him. Yeah. No, but like I feel like because uh, people fucking hate a death proof, and that's like that's that's like straight up exploitation film. Exactly. That's a very faithful like recreation of like what one of those Planet movies Terror is like. Planet Terror is not what like a grindhouse film is like. Not oh, at all. You, no, no, no. You don't have that money. You don't have that polish. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just like, <laughs> but Death Proof. That like that's what a grindhouse film is. Yeah, Death. Yeah, definitely. I'm not a big Tarantino fan. Like I. Um, <laughs> I, I appreciate some of his stuff, but like, it was just never really my my stuff. Yeah, I feel the same way. Anyway, I knew he had. I knew my brother had this DVD set. I, I you know, I was like snooping around his room because I thought like, oh, he's in college. Like, I can snoop around and see what DVDs he's got. And like, you know, I saw the DVD and like I remembered it. And like, you know, I was home alone. I was 13 years old. And I was just like, oh man, these movies got some toots. <laughs> so, of so of course I was going to watch one of them. And I just like looked at the back to like see which like movie descriptions sounded the most promising. And Cindy and Donna was just like, you know, two, you know, 15 year old Cindy and 17 year old Donna, like, you know, are like high schoolers who experiment with sex and drugs. And then they learn a lesson in the end or some shit they like that. They learn a lesson in the end. <laughs> yeah, we all learned something today. So I go upstairs and I watch it. At the time, I had like a really shitty like little portable DVD player, and I was watching it. And even as a thirteen-year-old, like you know, the nudity, the gratuitous nudity that this movie deals, like even at thirteen, when like you're desperate to see that kind of stuff, like any nudity will impress you. Any nudity will like do the trick you know, for you. Like, this is just a bit much. I was just like, uh, I'm like. Ugh. I mean, I remember the first scene with like Cindy, like, you know, in her room changing her clothes. I remember I was just like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, like when you're younger. <laughs> but then, like, by the time it gets to, like, Cindy and Greg's sex scene at the very end, I was just like, okay, this is... And, you know, with, you know, the dad molesting Donna, I was just like, this, this is... This uh, isn't fun. This isn't fun. This is very unpleasant. And then when the fucking ending happened, Donna gets run over. Cindy lets out this very harsh, shrill, you know, shriek in terror you know, there's this very unsettling freeze frame. And then the fact that it just ends on that. And for, it's just something about the theme song playing right after made it more haunting because yeah. the juxtaposition of that horrible, tragic event. And then that very upbeat, very cheesy song right at the end. And then just fade to black. And like, that's it. I swear to God, I had never seen a movie like this before. I was 13. Like I was, I was, I'm, I'm not even kidding. I like my reaction was like the same as if like someone who's just watched like a really, really scary horror film for the first time. Like I could not get to sleep that night. <laughs> I literally cried in the shower later that night. That's how bad I remember shedding tears when I was in the shower thinking to myself, how could a movie like that exist? Like, why would someone make this movie? Like, I understand that, you know, Sometimes you just want to see a movie just for the nudity and gratuitous sex. Like, I get that, but do you have to make it so cruel and dark? Like, what was the point of that? Like, I was so upset. Like, I can't believe... I couldn't believe what I had just watched. So you're saying it's a pretty good recommend? <laughs> 
I hated this movie back then. Like, like I remember, like I remember, like I watched it in my bedroom, and I I had like the DVD on my nightstand. And before I went to bed that night, I saw the DVD on my nightstand, and I was just like, I don't even want this in my room. Like that's how, that's how much I felt like this film violated me. Uh, and yeah, my overall feelings on the film have not changed in eight years. You know, it's a sleazy, skeevy, joyless mess. You know, watching this movie for like probably probably only the second or third time in my life. You know, for the sake of this podcast, you know, I watch this movie. It feel it's the type of movie like I can't help but feel like everybody behind the camera was wearing a trench coat. Yeah, like that's the vibe you get from this movie. One hundred percent, do not recommend. There's, there's no there's no reason for anyone to see this movie. This is not this isn't like a you know a hidden gem. It's there, not so bad. It's good. It's not so. We've bad, said it's that good. there's some stuff that's like. They take fun, like the mom's line deliveries or some of the funnier ADRs with Cindy and Donna. But those aren't worth seeing through this movie. They those are only like lifted up because everything surrounded it is so fucking garbage. Exactly. Those There's like they, those are like just uh, They stick out because the rest of the movie is so dull and it's unpleasant. You gotta latch on to something. Exactly. So yeah, Cindy and Donna, it's a terrible fucking film. <laughs> so before we end this thing, I wanted to bring up bring up a couple interesting things regarding the film. So earlier, at the beginning of the podcast, we were going through some like interesting facts about the cast and crew that I learned from IMDb. Well, I was looking through the user reviews on Cindy and Donna, and I found uh, something very interesting. So on March 16th, 2006, an IMDb user named Britwit posted the following review. It was called Message from One of the Actors in Cindy and Donna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And here's the review. For the information of your readers, I am the person who played the mother in Cindy and Donna. Okay, I'm not going to do the voice. (laughs) My stage name was Susie Allen. I never used the name Susie Allen, and any information shown for Susie Allen does not apply to me. I don't know why I was not credited properly. I agree that Cindy and Donna was a terrible movie, but the stagehands and crew said I was the best actor in the movie. She was! Yeah. I'm going to have to agree there. Yeah. We spent an entire day filming one scene with me with me and my husband driving on a freeway with me nagging him about not taking me out often enough. I had a lot of fun trying to be the whining miserable wife for the movie, even though in real life I am nothing like that character. It was also very interesting for me to have to dub in some of my lines after the movie was finished. Quite a challenge to get everything right on cue. And that's the end of the review. That's not really a review of the movie, but it's good to hear like her experience. Exactly. It's it was... good to hear that the, even the mom knows it's trash. She's above this. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting when she said that, you know, that's the only thing she was ever credited as Susie Allen and that, that that's not her not her real name, nor was it even her stage name. So it makes me wonder, like, the Susie Allen that the IMDb page links to is even the same Susie Allen. Because hmm. if, if that's not her, then, <laughs> you know. I don't know how many people would like, I don't know why you would lie about this. Why would you go online and try and steal the thunder of <laughs> the mom from Cindy and Donna? I feel like there's, there's better game out there. But yeah, so another thing that I said at the beginning of the podcast is that the whole vibe of this movie is kind of similar to Manos, where you watch it and you, you, this just this just has the feeling of a movie that only that very very few people have ever seen or ever cared about. But about a year ago, I was in uh, I was in my school library and I was like looking at movie related books. And I found this one book called Forbidden Films, Censorship Histories of 125 Motion Pictures by Don B. Sova, published in 2001. 
And I was like skimming through because I thought, oh, that should be interesting. I was looking through. They had an entry about like the last picture show and like, you know, mm -hmm. some other films of that era that like kind of broke the taboos with like, you know, showing sex and nudity on film. But I was very surprised to see that Cindy and Donna got its own entry. Good boy. Basically what happened was the movie was showing at a drive-in in Pulaski County, Kentucky in 1970 when it came out. When the local sheriff just happened to see it, like, you know, the sh like a couple cops were just happened to be right by the uh, drive-in theater and they saw Cindy and Donna playing on it. So the sheriff freaked out, seized the film, and brought the theater manager to trial on obscenity charges. <laughs> so this case took two and a half years before finally they decided that it was unconstitutional for the sheriff to just seize the film on the spot without a warrant. Yeah, I feel like that should have been thrown out pretty quickly. <laughs> Yeah. Just because of that. The book, like, details a lot of the more, like, you know, complex, like, you know, legal stuff, if you're interested in reading that stuff. But that's basically how the case ended up. They are just like, well, you kind of seized the film. You didn't have a warrant. You yeah. kind of just, like, did this because you personally were offended, you know, this... How does, it, how does one cop getting butt hurt over a movie warrant uh, two years in court? <laughs> I don't know. When, but he, if, when he was the first one to break the law. But if you want to read more about that, then, yeah, the, the movie's called Forbidden Films, Censorship Histories of 125 Motion Pictures, written so, by Don B. Silva, and that's Don, D-A-W-N. So, the main theme of all of this, cops are fucking pigs. <laughs> that's the main takeaway from this movie. <laughs> yes. So that concludes the first episode of the Dead End Street Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to keep up with the show, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, like wherever you find podcasts. You can go to our blog site at deadendpod.blogspot.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at deadendstpod. And that's all just like one word, no underscores or anything like that. You can follow me on Twitter at deadendterry. Thank you guys so much for listening. My name's Terry Marsh. I'm John Mandrick. And we'll see you guys next time. Life is out there.